Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now as we kick off this hour is Father Robert Sirico. He is, uh, you heard him just a few weeks ago as we talked about the economics of the parables, but he's President Emeritus and co-founder of the Acton Institute. He's also Pastor Emeritus at Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish here in Grand Rapids. And, um, well, first of all, it's great to see you again. You too, and yeah. in this setting. In, I, yeah, and I in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's talk about Acton. What's the relationship between Acton Institute and Acton University? Well, Acton University is the largest single event that Acton Institute hosts each year. So we brought people from all over the the world, literally, here to Grand Rapids to talk about the foundations of a free and virtuous society. So that's that's what it is. It's exciting because there are lots of priests, some Muslims, evangelicals, yeah. Yeah. Jews secular people who knows yeah yeah no it's it's i've always enjoyed it because there's such a wide range really of serious serious thinkers and mm-hmm. uh, people who are really working on this uh tell us some of the folks who are going to be here this week that uh well i going back to the uh, original <laughs> uh list i i know that we have people here from venezuela yeah from china and china. from uh, uh as well from uh, Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think of those three groups of people yeah. whose lives, uh, for whom this this study of the free society is so critical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the last night, I'll be hosting a panel with Chinese participants nice. to talk about our new film uh, that's uh, still making the rounds of the, uh, the uh, film uh, festivals. Okay. Uh, called the Hong Konger. It's based on the struggles that are going on in Hong Kong right now, uh, through the lens of the life of Jimmy Lai. Yeah, who yeah. Is a, I've interviewed him. Yes, so he's uh, one of my heroes. Yeah. yeah, and he should be a hero for all freedom fighters. But in particular, I mean, this is a man who's a Catholic. Yep. Who was raised in mainland China, became a very successful businessman, could have left Hong Kong. Yeah. As this was all coming down, I, I interviewed him 15 years ago, and he said. You know, I could expect to be arrested someday, and then he was. Wow. And he's in jail as we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be interested in hearing that uh, discussion yeah. and that film. And seeing the film. When's it available? Uh, it, it, during the week, it, it's available to Acton uh, University participants, okay. but it's not publicly available yet. We have okay. some private showings. You have to go through these film festivals yeah. uh, before you can release it to the public, and hopefully by that time we'll have someone who will purchase it. Uh, the one you may remember, uh, uh, Poverty, Inc., yes. was sold to uh, Netflix. Okay. So we'll do maybe... Netflix, one of the streaming services, or theaters, who knows? Yeah, that's great. Uh, let's talk, we were talking off air before we came, uh, microphones open, we were talking about at a very unstable moment in our American history, but... The world. The world. Thinks yeah. There are new alignments occurring. Really? Russia, China, <laughs> Iran, I mean, uh, you know, for those of us who grew up during the Cold War... Uh, the world looked pretty simple. It was pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> the good guys and the bad guys. Right, right. Um, this is uh, shaping up to be a little more difficult. And it's, it's going to force, I hope, it will force people to think more clearly about what it is that we stand for as a nation. And then do, on balance, is America a force for good in the world? Yeah. Uh, I think the answer to that is clearly yes. Mm-hmm. But that is that is not what Vladimir Putin thinks and 
It's not what uh, Xi Jinping thinks. Right. Uh, so we're going to have to come to a place where Catholics have to figure out a way to be, in my estimation, be strong supporters of this experiment we still call the United States, uh, and also remain faithful Catholics. Right. You know? let, let me complexify the, do that. Do the that. picture even more for you. Uh, you, you laid it out beautifully. Um, it used, we just had to think, well, if this is pro-Soviet, then we're against it, and if it's pro-American, we're for it. <laughs> remember that. Uh, yeah. But now these divisions that have come, you even have some uh, conservatives in the United States who are questioning the moral legitimacy of the founding of the United States. Yeah, this, this, and I'm not just talking about the obvious right-wing bigots and, no. and uh, this anti-Semites. Integralism, movement. Integralism yeah. and, and yeah. its Protestant counterpart, theonomy. Yeah. And this is basically, uh, to put it simply, a form of theocracy, that uh, if God is the creator of the universe and we are his representatives, we get to rule the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it very crudely. And, <laughs> and they forget Jesus' words, render unto Caesar what is Caesar and God what is God's, that there is a distinction between authority and power. Authority is a legitimate form of primarily interior compulsion to to restrain from doing just what you want and doing the good. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Exactly. And uh, power is the coercive thing which we're seeing. So we have to divide this thing. And it's not just enough to have this black and white view. We now have to question... What are the foundations? How do we evaluate the various moving pieces that we see in the world? How do we evaluate their moral legitimacy, uh, their integrity, their correspondence to the social teaching of the church? And that requires a little bit of study. And if you're lazy, you're... Just yeah. don't get in discussions. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Let people who have done the work right, do right. the talking. Yeah. Right, right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this questioning of classical liberalism, questioning of the U.S. founding, mm-hmm. and take, we'll take the more serious argument here. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, uh, the argument is that uh, you, you have uh, Christ is king, uh, and uh, he, in, in the Catholic world, this has been articulated through the chair of St. Peter, uh, the apostolic voice of the church. Uh, the state, while it has its legitimate functions, needs to have a, a clearer and stronger relationship to the spiritual powers. The temporal powers are subordinate to the spiritual powers. Yes. Now, that can take all kinds of forms, and we've seen this right. fought. Oh, it's not as though this is new. This has no. been fought over throughout <laughs> history. Oh, exactly. Always leading exactly. me to ask, well, yeah, okay, um, show me where it's happened where you like it. Because if you're selling me something, I want to see it before I yeah. buy it. You know, uh, some people will point to the age of the guilds. Uh, in the Middle Ages. 14th century. Uh, you yeah. know, and, and that's okay. Uh, I, I can see many um, admirable qualities to that. Um, I want to say this without um, appearing to canonize the United States, but I think the founding of the United States is a very good example of how this might be done, not because God established the United States, right. 
but because the founders of the United States themselves were probing ideas from the natural law. Yeah. And they instituted these ideas, many of these ideas that we have as part and parcel of the American founding, not all of them, but many of these ideas emerge from the natural law thinking. Yeah. And you, you have echoes of people like Bellarmine yep. uh, in, in the founding documents because, uh, in point of fact, they found uh, Bellarmine's underlying text in the library of uh, Thomas Jefferson. Yes, yes. And, and we see it in the, in the Federalist Papers. Not identified. No, uh, not footnoted in not that footnoted, way. No, no, no. No, but the ideas are real. They're yeah. real things. Sure. That, that the state should be limited, yes. that, that needs are best met at the most local levels. That's what federalism is all yeah. about. It's a kind of akin in a way to subsidiarity. Again, I don't want to canonize federalism and say that's the only legitimate right. moral form of government. Right. Right. But one way in which the church's uh, perennial concerns about the dignity of human life, of the sanctity of private property uh, can be expressed is through what we have experimented with in these yeah. 200 and something years since the founding of the U.S. The uh, integralists and some of the uh, my friends or people who were my friends would vehemently disagree with that yeah. and say, no, this is born of the Enlightenment. Classical liberalism comes out of an agnostic, an atheistic, yeah. hostile view. And I think the mistake they're making is in seeing classical liberalism as a uh, univocal uh, one thing yeah. rather than seeing it as trends and ideas. Yeah. Classical, classical liberalisms is what I would call it. There yeah. are various strains. Yeah, I mean, Scottish, uh, Scottish common sense realism is, uh, yeah. and its political philosophy that flows from it is very different than what we see in France yes. uh, in the wake of the revolution. Yes. I, I, and it seems to me... The U.S. founders, overall, uh, are more are more uh, comfortable with uh, that, that Scottish tradition, mm -hmm. even though even though you have Jefferson, who likes the French and all this. Right. Uh, I think in practice, there's more respect uh, for the Scottish uh, approach. Uh, they, they'll come back to that as, of course, to say, well, look, this is a nation. Look where it's led us. It's led us to, you know, abortion. It's led us to gay marriage. That shows us that the experiment doesn't work. I would say that that's the exact uh, debate that the uh, liberals, the con contemporary liberals, the progressives would make. And our argument has always been against that. No, this is precisely the violation of the founding. That, that, that in the founding, the Declaration of Independence, it says that all men are created equal. They are endowed by this, with a certain inalienable right, among which is the right to life. Let's yeah. start right there. Yeah. So this is a violation of it, that, that what Roe v. Wade... May it rest in peace. Very well. No, may it burn in hell. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, the legislation now, not the people, um, uh, is a violation of the Constitution, and that's what I think the Supreme Court will, in effect, say. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Uh, so, I'm counting on the fact that a free society has challenges, has moral challenges, challenges, is not resolved by increasing the power of a society that's gone awry, that is a, a state that's gone awry. Uh, the work rests with us to do. It rests with the church and not just with the bishops because the bishops over the last 60 years have proven themselves to be not up to the task. If you take it, if you just analyze the church as you would a business, 
and they were on a corporation board, they would be replaced because uh, the numbers have gone down. Vocations, attendance at mass, the quality of the educational structure, the fact that we have abortion on demand in this country by the vote of Catholic politicians who were formed in those institutions. We have to do something far more exacting, far more labor-intensive than just pronounce on it or say politically, when we get 51%, uh, we'll institute the Catholic religion as the American establishment. Any chance you can stay with me another segment? Absolutely. Okay. We're going to continue conversation with Father Robert Sirico. Much to talk about here as we kick off uh, this week of Acton University 2022. I'm Al Cresto. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Father Robert Sirico. Uh, he is co-founder of the Acton Institute, which sponsors Acton University. Uh, that's where we are this week in Grand Rapids, taking a look at the intellectual foundations of a free society. Again, the importance of the role of virtue uh, in sustaining free institutions. Let me let me go to that point, um, Father, because I, I in America we talk a lot about freedom freedom, freedom. And uh, that word has been redefined uh, over the last 200 years Uh, in the the ethos of the the founders. uh, Freedom had to do with liberty, ordered liberty. It had to do with self-governance first and then family governance and then governance of your village, uh, eventually your state and then Mm -hmm. national. But uh, today, freedom seems to be largely a word that functions to say, I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, in whatever way I can do it. Right. And this is a major change in culture. where do we push back? That's a theme that comes up here at Acton University. Constantly. What freedom is. Constantly. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. What do we do to counter this licentious view of freedom? Well, in point of fact, those who are talking about um, the perversion of liberty, libertinism, yeah. Yeah. distinct from libertarianism, which is a whole other yeah. ball of wax, uh, cannot claim the American founding for the reason you just said in your question, you went over it kind of maybe not even thinking about what you said, but we need to go back and say ordered liberty. Yeah. Concern, uh, confirm thy soul and self-control thy government and law. Yeah. So that the liberty, and I'll quote famous quotation from Lord Act, and the liberty of which we speak is not the, the right to do what you want, but the freedom to do what you ought. Yeah. So that... Liberty is a vacuum. You know, it's uh, Americans with this high emphasis on liberty very often think of liberty as freedom. Uh, I'm sorry, as virtue. But it's not. I've said this from the inception of the Acton right. Institute. It's the context in which virtue or vice yeah. can uh, be played out. That's, that's the moral criteria for judgment. You remember the uh, definition of uh, original sin in the catechism. Um, it's not original sin. Um, 
uh, mortal sin. What are the three conditions of mortal sin? That it's grave, uh, that you know that it's grave, and that you freely consent to do it. So the freedom is required in order to be vicious, and it's also required to be virtuous. But this freedom has to be conformed to uh, who human beings are. We're not animals in a jungle. The jungles don't have... uh, places that adjudicate uh, boundaries and property rights and the right to life. Uh, a more apt description is also comes from Genesis that it's a garden we're placed in. Gardens have boundaries. Gardens have rules. Gardens require work. Yeah. And the liberty of which we speak is this kind of liberty. Yeah. It's not the liberty to impose our beliefs, the Second Vatican Council said, but to propose them. And uh, and there's so much more that can be said because there's a confusion about, and I've seen this in political philosophers, that if you choose it, that's the standard of morality. Well, of course that's absurd that's crazy. Uh, because th- then you get Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, th- and I think in, in many ways, not to pick on him because he's very easy to pick on, but he epitomizes and said himself that he epitomizes a whole generation from yes. the 60s of people who just thought this is what we were encouraged to do. You know, get get your groove on. Right. What does that mean? Exactly. So, so this idea of freedom is, is not to do uh, what you want, but what you ought. The, that has lost a lot of power in people's minds because they don't have any idea of what they ought. Right. They don't. They've lost a sense of God. Or intrinsic morality, and or so, reason, or reason, yeah, or of reason. Course. This yeah, is this is right. the key thing, you know. Yeah. You, you see these arguments about, uh, especially uh, not to get heavily into the whole gender debate, but these are not reasonable. These are not scientific arguments. A lot of it seeped into the, all of the controversies over the vaccines and the masks yeah. and everything. Uh, when we drop reason, and of course we've dropped reason, we dropped it in our seminaries uh, for many years where people weren't studying philosophy. Yeah, that's... You know, it, a thing is itself, Aristotle said. A is A. And when, when we don't teach people to identify the basic uh, flaws in their reasoning, then they can come up with anything, and then it all boils down to, well, I feel it. Yeah. My reality is different than your reality. Excuse me. <laughs> There's yeah. only one reality. Right, right. Yeah, that, I mean, of course, to say that uh, is now taken to be uh, an imperious notion, uh, yeah. that you're, you're, you're an existential imperialist when you say... Yeah. Not just an imperialist <laughs> notion. Do you remember uh, Matthew Fox? I don't know if he's still uh, uh, Creation, alive. spirituality. Creation, spirituality. I had a debate with him oh, you're, you're, in Grand Rapids. <laughs> I, I, have to dig up, I have to dig up the... <laughs> it's got to be a while ago. It. it was quite a while ago. And I was saying this. I think we were talking about the hierarchy in creation. He was saying, you know, rocks and my spiritual director or something like that. I learned from rocks. And and I talked about just the, the typical Thomistic, which you'd think a former Dominican would know, would know yeah. ab- about the, the hierarchy of creation, human person being at the top of it. And I described this whole thing, I think, as I recall, eloquently. <laughs> and he turned and he said, this was his attack. You're so male. <laughs> So, because you, now this is a long time. This is over twenty years ago, and he had me. <laughs> I, I just well, said I didn't know I had a choice. <laughs> of course, today I couldn't respond that way. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have the punch that it did then. Oh my! Yeah, that's uh, there is this loss of hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, you know the idea. I think C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. 
uh, might be somewhere else, but I remember it in Mere Christianity, where he begins to talk about that the human uh, human being, human person, uh, contains within himself uh, elements from all of the lower kingdoms. Yes. You know, yes. and then we are the composition, then yes. uh, the breath of God, which in, exactly. in, in our person we actually represent the creation to God. Exactly. Imago uh, Dei. Yeah. 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 And uh, that is such a beautiful idea in and of itself that I'm surprised yeah. it isn't just admired. Well, it was once upon a time. It was. But yeah. now it's male. Yeah. Or, uh, hi- because hierarchical means oppressive. It means imperialistic yeah. Yeah. That in the, in the minds, in the popular mindset. And yet hierarchy is inevitable. Jordan Peterson makes this yeah. point very eloquently. Yeah. You, 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 know. can't, you can't avoid it. can't avoid it. And uh, what you can do is temper it. You can subordinate it right. to the truth. Yes, of good. course. Yeah. You know, and yeah. when you don't acknowledge it, it will form and it will come up as the vox populi. The, yeah. the, it'll, it'll come up as the proletarian, the proletarian movement. Yeah. Uh, and that's where you have brutality. I remember uh, during the, the student... Uh, Days of the Student Revolt. I was never part of it, but I was just becoming aware of it because I was just out of high school and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what was going on. Sure. And I can remember women who were part of those uh, uh, movements uh, complaining that um, uh, to the men who were there, who again are all supposed to be uh, free, uh, modern, uh, respectful of women. Uh, women wanted to know why they were always the ones to make the coffee. You know, how <laughs> yes. come we're always the ones at the exactly. copy machine? You know, exactly. or, uh, and that that uh, those that mobilized many women to go into what became the next wave of feminism. Yeah. So more more radical uh, hierarchy is inevitable. Yeah. It happened there. The, in that case, mm-hmm. it was male. The males yeah. asserted right. a certain uh, bad tradition. Yes. of male dominance, right? Uh, and they reacted to it. So much of what we see in feminism, going back to the, the, the early sisters of it, the sisterhood, are women who have had terrible experience with men. Yes. You know, I, in, in a sense, I understand that. I have great sympathy yeah. with that. All of these movements have their origin in some true observation of oppression or something. It's, it's like heresy. You remember Chesterton? Yeah. Heresy is truth gone mad. Yeah. It's a truth that needed emphasis, yeah. but when it becomes the whole truth uh, to the exclusion of everything else, then it becomes an error. And I think the feminist movement, e- even parts of Marxism yeah. in decrying certain oppressions, the gay movement, the uh, concern about environment, all of these things have elements of truth because gay people have been brutalized and yeah. treated uh, in a manifestly unchristian manner. Yeah. People have destroyed the environment. And we could go on and on the way indigenous peoples have been. And what we need to do, um, and I say this, we as Catholics, uh, as people who want to propose the gospel of Christ, we need to really discern the hearts of men and women and read the heart of a person who's hurt and respond to that pain and that hurt. That's what Jesus does with the woman caught in the act of adultery or the woman at the well. He responds to their hurt and shows them the way out. But the end of the message is go and sin no more. It is an affirmation of the sin. It's it's a a call to a new life. Spoken as a true pastor. (laughs) 
That's my first. That's my day job. I know. I know. And and uh, that is uh, that approach is hard to maintain in a highly charged political environment. It is. It is. Where it's about winning. A side has to win. Yeah. Because I don't get a vote. I don't get to vote for a candidate sixty percent. Right. right? I, right. I, I I don't proportion my vote. I have to give them a hundred percent. I don't give them my heart, but I give them my vote. Right. And uh, which means I am on one side yeah. of this electoral divide. And this is the mistake of taking politics as the paradigm for all social relationships. Amen. Very good. Because it becomes the win-lose. Rather than a market economy is win-win. I sell you something and you give me something for what I give you. You'd rather have this and I'd rather have that. Right. And if we can, and, and then we do this in non-economic, non-material ways, relational relationally yeah. with reciprocity and common courtesies and yeah. etiquette a form of hierarchy that teaches us how to be comfortable in various circumstances and we got about a minute a minute left here and i'm talking with father robert Sirico about the acton university this week we're going to be uh, here all week uh, talking to some outstanding thinkers this is an ecumenical affair. You mentioned it at the very beginning. Downright interfaith. It's not merely ecumenical. Yeah. Try it. It's it's right. open to. We have Muslim scholars here. Yes. Jewish, Jewish. scholars. Uh, I assume and, and some, some secular. No, yeah. I know we have secular. Well, you, you know. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to sitting down with all of them uh, and having conversations. I hope you do. They, they, yeah. Give them a good grilling. <laughs> Father, thanks so much. Thank you. God bless you and and all of your listeners. It's been great to know you over so many, many years. It's been a while. Father Robert Sirico, again, uh, President uh, Emeritus and co-founder of the Acton Institute. I'm Al Creston.